You're listening to a show on the Planet Film podcast feed. Hi, I'm Sean Monk. And I'm TJ Cornwall. And this is the Planet Film podcast. Excellent! All right, like we said, welcome back to the Planet Film podcast. So, uh, you know, before we get into anything, we just want to let you know again, you know, we do have episode two up now of our Planet Council show, the all Star Wars show. We took a look at the uh, Star Wars, the Skywalker Legacy documentary uh, that came out with the Rise of Skywalker. It gets uh, pretty heated <laughs> towards the end of the conversation. Uh, so I would yeah. definitely recommend checking that out. Um, you know, if you are interested in Star Wars or not, uh, it's definitely an interesting episode to listen to to get all of our thoughts on there. Um, again, you know, you can find this show uh, at the hashtag or at Planet Film Pod on Twitter, or you can always get in touch with us by emailing us at planetfilmpod at gmail.com. Uh, so, how have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, what have you been doing, you know, this last week? Still in the quarantine. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, we'll get into it later. We've been gearing up. We're in the next few weeks. We're going to be going back to work. Yeah. I know you are. I don't know about me yet, but maybe at this rate, I, we will. Every day I lose kind mm-hmm. of hope. I lose hope I'm going to get a new job. So, <laughs> um, uh, but no, I've been playing uh, Last of Us Part Two. It just came, when it came out last week. Um, yeah, I think so. I really like it. Uh, it's very, um, it's very story heavy. Like, in my opinion, there's a lot of cutscenes. Mm. Um, I'm, I, I've, it says on my saves, I've been playing it for eight hours. Um, so I don't even feel like I'm like even halfway through the game yet. I think I thought I heard that it was like a 30 hour some game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the only really like, the only gripe, like, there's a few like twists and stuff like that so far that I've had through. Uh, the only gripe I have about this game, and then you probably heard you heard me last night when I was telling you and Brandon, mm. is that I feel like the game just forces you to have to be combative. So you you're forced to use your guns and everything with the limited ammo you have. I prefer like to kind of stealthily like take people down. Um, so like I prefer like obviously Last of Us isn't like Batman or Spider Man. But it's Batman and Spider-Man when you're like swinging it from the ceiling and you're taking yeah. guys out silently. I like that kind of combat. Yeah, like um, the sil- silent takedown. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's like an option for that, but you really have to like, like there's times where if you like, I'm when I'm streaming it and I'm like slowly going up and then they turn around. I'm like, I'm not even making any noise. <laughs> yeah, and that's like... um that's a, uh, for those who don't know, you know, in addition to the podcast, me and TJ both stream on uh, Twitch. Uh, and I have been, uh, I've started the first Last of Us, and now I'm also streaming through um, the Battlefront 2 campaign. Uh, and both of those games have, like, the silent takedown things. Yeah. Like, the Battlefront one is super similar to the Spider-Man and Arkham one, um, where you, you know, crouch, sneak up, and then you do, like, the chokehold, like, mm-hmm. bring them down. Um, but also in the first Last of Us, you know, I'm about two, maybe three hours into that game. Yeah. And uh, that's a big mechanic. That's a big mechanic is the listening and yeah, sneaking yeah. up and stuff. So I'm surprised uh, that they changed that up in this. In those I mean, it might, ju- it might be just me. I don't know. I Because mm-hmm. I when I played the first one, it was probably like a year or two. It was, it was definitely more than a year ago. It was probably two or three years ago. Because mm-hmm. uh, I played it when it was remastered on PS4. Mm-hmm. Um but like 
yeah, it's just like the hat you can hide and stuff like that. And obviously, when they get closer to you, like you're gonna get got, like they're gonna see you. Yeah. But as soon as you take somebody down, I always feel like there's no time because there's so many enemies. There's no time to go run and hide after that. Like you're immediately caught, and it's like, okay, well now I have to get into a gunfight with you know, I got like ten bullets in my pistol and ten bullets in my you know uh, shotgun or five, mm-hmm. and then that's all I have. And then if I don't kill everybody in that time, well then I'm screwed, and I have to go melee. And half the sometimes melee is like they have like a they have like like a weapon. The, uh, enemies have a weapon, so like a crossbar. And if mm-hmm. you try or crossbar, a crowbar, if you try to attack them, they'll like shove you off. And I'm like, okay, now what? Um, yeah, I can't if I can't get rid of their crowbar, then how am I supposed to attack them? Um, but overall, I think it, I think it's so far it's like a good game. And people are calling when the reviews came up. There, some people are calling it like a masterpiece. I don't know if it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if it's better than the first one. I'd probably have to replay the first one to get a good gauge, but. It's basically what I've been up to. I saw um, a, I think it was a tweet. Yeah. I think it was a tweet. Might have been an Instagram. Actually, no, it was. It was an Instagram post because it had the two pictures side by side. Somebody said that this game reminds them of Incredibles Two. That if if it was not so hyped up, it yeah. would be a great game. You know yeah. what I mean? It would be yeah. it would be a masterpiece. But because you're like Last of Us Two, Last of Us Two, oh my God, what are they going to do? Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of the fans were, yeah. and a lot of the people anticipated for the game was. Um, and I think it's just one of those things where you just can't live up to that level yeah. of expectation. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think. Inc- yeah. A, a game that I will recommend to you that I might be playing when it comes out in July, which I wasn't sure, I didn't really know about. Um, I heard stuff about it, like watching like videos on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Called Ghosts of Tsushima, I believe it is. It's like a samurai type game. Oh. Uh, it looks like from the trailers, it looks beautiful. Um, so I'm just I don't know like what the story is or anything, but I'm like partly interested mm-hmm. in that game. But yeah. Yeah, that sounds cool. I would I definitely sounds cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I will uh, at some point be playing Last of Us 2. Uh, I don't know when because I've just, like I said, I'm playing like f- four different games right now for the YouTube channel, and then I just started Battlefront 2 again last night, so yeah. um, I'll get there eventually. But I already bought it. It's already, it's finally downloaded. Uh, you know what, let me, let me just talk about that really quick, actually. It just remind me. Um, we, the world needs to do something better about internet service providers. Um, they, the one that I have is just very annoying. Uh, I had uh, about a three hour phone call with them, uh, to try and get faster internet to try to not have it drop out when I'm doing streams and stuff. I bought a brand new router. Um, so basically I had that long, that long phone call with them. They just kept telling me to, you know, restart the modem, do all this stuff. Um, None of it worked. Nothing changed. Um, I pay for the ultra internet package because I have so many like devices and I use the internet so heavily. Uh, and so then finally I was like, well, they can't seem to do anything. So let me buy a new router. So I bought a new router off of Amazon. I got like the Netgear Nighthawk uh, and it worked. It, it had a markable, uh, uh, a uh, markable increase uh, on the, 
speed test for the internet. Um, and so then I called and I was just like, okay, this is like, you guys are charging me an arm and a leg for this service. Yeah. And I was able, this is just kind of like a, what do they, what do you call it? A, a, a first world problem. A, a first world problem, but also I, they would call it a, the internet would call it a, a, a flex, right? Yeah. Uh, that I called them and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like you're charging me way too much. So I was able to magically, uh, I was able to get them. I finally got the TV package removed because we barely use it anyways. Um, and I was able to get them to drop my uh, we or weekly, my monthly price uh, down from, they were having me at 170. I got it down. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it down to, to 89.99. So I got them to drop it like a ton, um, which is nice. And finally, and I, I don't want to jinx it. So for headphone users, I don't know how loud this is going to be, but knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> hopefully my internet is uh, in a good place right now. I streamed yeah. for like four hours straight last night and it was fine. Um, but that has definitely been the biggest thing going on in my week. <laughs> Uh, is finally, hopefully, getting the internet back in order, um, which is nice. Uh, so with chit-chat out of the way, uh, let's go ahead and dive right into new news. Now, I know last week, guys, we had a ton of news to, t to cover. Uh, we had, like tw I think, maybe 20 stories that we had to then even cut back further. Mm -hmm. And we still went for like an hour just yeah. on the news. Um, but luckily this week... Uh, you know, I was messaging TJ and he was messaging me being like, you know, this is going to be a pretty light uh, story for news. You know, one of the stories we're going to talk about kind of um, evolved early in the week. Um, and then uh, that was really going to be our big thing. Then today there was like eight news stories, including probably one of the biggest comic book uh, news droppings in comic book movie history probably i would say mm -hmm. um but we do have unfortunately uh also something that came out today and um something that came out a few days ago so we did have uh two i would say monumental two very big uh deaths unfortunately in the hollywood uh community in the hollywood sphere um first one was just today uh reports just came out you know a few hours ago that Joel Schumacher has passed away at the age of 80 due to cancer. Um, I'm not sure what form of cancer it was, um, but, you know, cancer in any form. You know, I definitely know people that have had it. You know, I'm sure you do, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, it's awful, terrible. Um, it said, you know, it was it was a relatively brief uh, battle with it, it sounds like. It sounds like it was just over, like, the last year or oh, so okay. um, that he had it. Uh, but, you know, he was 80. Um, again, you know, we talked about this last week with, uh, Dennis O'Neill that, you know, these days, especially in Hollywood, you know, when you see people like in their eighties and like seventies passing away, you're like these people, they, and obviously some people don't want to work. Like, yeah, and we might talk about later, Jack Nicholson, you know, he's, he's still Jack Nicholson. And uh, I would say like Gene Hackman too, you know, yeah, yeah. they retired. They were like, you know what? I'm just going to live out the rest of my yeah. years, you know, not doing anything. Um, but you have uh, Joel Schumacher and the other person we're going to talk about who are such prolific um, people in Hollywood, uh, you know, that just worked so consistently, not so much in the last couple of years, but, you know, you just, you wonder if they had maybe 
Like if Joel Schumacher had like one more stellar, you know, directing performance in, in the tank or, um, you know, uh, something like that. And you take a look at his filmography, which I just have it up here right now. And the one thing that, uh, and I was talking to, uh, Rachel earlier about this, uh, who we work with at our job. Um, and the one thing, the one word that I brought up with her when I was talking about Joel Schumacher's career is, or the two words is consistent and versatile. Okay. I mean, you look at this guy's career. Yeah. I mean, you start off with things like St. Elmo's Fire, which is a beloved, you know, in that John Hughes 80s vein of movies. Uh, then The Lost Boys, which is another huge classic that, you know, people, um, you know, remember as like that was their that was their big childhood movie. You know what I yeah. mean? It's The Lost Boys. Um, then you go into stuff, you know, then you get into Flatliners, which is another, you know, cult classic from the 80s. Um and then obviously you get into the heavy hitters once you get into the 1990s, which you get into Batman Forever, you know, uh, showing Val Kilmer's first role yep. or first uh, go at the Batman role. Uh, well, I should say first and only. Um, you cannot underestimate the directing job on the Seal Kiss from a Rose music video that Joel Schumacher did to tie into Batman Forever. You know, one of the best songs of all time. Uh, <laughs> Um, then you have, uh, a time to kill, uh, which, you know, is a big movie that a lot of people like, um, with, you know, Matthew McConaughey, Sandra Bullock. Um, and then you get, uh, into Batman and Robin, you know, say what you will about his Batman movies. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to talk about that later on. We have, uh, a Batman heavy show today. Uh, Batman is definitely the theme, uh, as well as obviously then our review, uh, which we will get to. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, so stick around for that. Uh, and then, you know, you get into stuff like Phone Booth with Colin Farrell, which is a big hit. And then uh, Number 23 with Jim Carrey, you know, one of his darker films. And then uh, also, he has a very widely regarded, um, one of the better film interpretations of the Phantom of the Opera. You know, people think of that as the quintessential Phantom movie, obviously. Mm -hmm. On stage, there's tons of different versions, but um, this is the movie, the one with uh, Patrick Wilson, Emmy Rossum, and, you know, Gerard Butler um, definitely, you know, helped catapult some of their careers forward, uh, as well as, you know, just being a good movie as a whole. Uh, and then, you know, that's really uh, where it kind of drops off from there, because then, you know, he gets up into his later years he kind of takes that route where he decides, you know, uh, to kind of slow down his output and stuff. You know, yeah. he winds up doing uh, the last two credits here are two episodes of House of Cards, um, which, you know, their rating on here looked pretty good. Um, you know, I watched that show. I know you, you did too, but uh, yeah. know, there's just so many episodes. It's like it's hard to pinpoint, yeah. especially when the episode is called Chapter Six. Like, it's very, <laughs> very memorable. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure in those earlier seasons, there wasn't really a weak episode among them. So, yeah. you know, definitely good good there uh, with the quality of that. You know, it's just definitely something that um, you don't really see directors, you know, when you think of like Steven Spielberg or Tarantino, like directors get hired because yeah. of their specific style. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And it's like Joel Schumacher, definitely when you look at the Batman movies, had a sense had a of style. style. Yeah. Um, but he was also somebody that was able to tone that down mm-hmm. and just output, you know, whatever the studio or the writer or whatever the vision was for that movie, you know, he was able to do that. Um, and, you know, that's just not something you see all the time. Uh, so either way, definitely a huge loss with Joel Schumacher. Uh, it's one of those that, like, you don't really, when you hear that name, you know, you don't really think that he is, that he was that old. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't really think that. But um, a sad loss, you know, nonetheless, we definitely uh, will be talking more about yeah. some of his films a little bit later Even on. Even though, like, uh, I haven't seen, like, like, the only movies that he's made that I've seen are the Batmans. Mm-hmm. But his name is always, like, it, like as soon as they say that name, like, I know who they're talking about. Like, I'm never, like... Yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. Who, who is that director, you know? Yeah, it's it's something that no matter what kind of a film fan you are, or even if you aren't a film fan, yeah, um, you probably at some point have seen one of his movies, you know, even yeah. if you don't know it. Um, and you might even love one of his movies and you don't even know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, he's got such a wide range. Um, like, I know I was telling you, when my mom first heard the news, her first reaction was, oh my God, like, I love St. Elmo's Fire. Like, that was like her quintessential, quintessential uh um, Joel Schumacher movie. Um, and, you know, my sister's a big fan of the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, so, you know, it's a lot of different people, you know, kind of taking that loss right yeah. now. Um, and then uh, another loss, unfortunately, we had earlier in the week um, was Ian Holm, the legendary actor of uh, both stage and screen, uh, passed away at the age of 88. Now, obviously, first thing you have to talk about is his portrayal of Bilbo Baggins yeah. <laughs> in in uh, the Lord of the Rings films, yep. as well as reprising it, uh, you know, 10 years later in the Hobbit films. Uh, just, I mean, fantastic. I, I, I really don't know what else yeah. to say. Like, you Whenever have... I think of Lord of the Rings, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is Bilbo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like you, uh, it's just so tough because it's like he was just such a well first of all like you know you hear these stories that you know he uh also i should note that it is sir ian holm oh um, so okay. he was yeah he was, he was knighted. knighted yeah um you know he was a uh tony winner uh a uh, bafta winner academy award nominated uh you know he was definitely uh, i mean if you want to talk about prolific on yeah. on his i mean you look at 137 imdb credits and that does not include anything that he did on the stage. Yeah. You know, like that is, that is remarkable. And also another thing that you want to talk about too is besides Bilbo, another big character that he's known for, obviously, is you go all the way back to the beginning of, of the beginning of his career, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, and you have him in alien playing Ash, who yeah. is, you know, the first introduction to, uh, kind of the whole robot android you know is it connected to blade runner wayland yutani <laughs> version of that you know what i mean yeah. like obviously the first movie is about the alien but when you track back where that franchise has gone and how much it deals with wayland yutani and androids mm-hmm. and uh, you look at you know michael fassbender's uh, i should say characters in the alien franchise, you know, it all stems back from Ash and it stems yeah. back from, you know, that we wouldn't have Bishop who was the next 
you know, great uh, android in that series, played by Lance Hendrickson, there would be no Bishop. There would be no David without Ash in that very first film. And Ian Holm is the one who brought that character to life mm -hmm. um, and scared the crap out of me. And I'm sure thousands and thousands of other people yeah. <laughs> uh, with what happens to him in that movie. Um, but then you even look, you know, this he for the video game Alien Isolation, he reprised the role. Oh, Ash. I didn't even see that. Either. Yeah, in oh, 20, yeah, in 2014, you're talking almost yeah. 40 years later, he reprised the role. You know, I mean, he is at this point 82 years old, doing doing the character again at mm -hmm. 82 years old for a video game. Um, which I don't do you know, was that game done with uh, motion capture? Or was no that just idea. voiceover? I'm not. I, I'm not sure. I on know that. it's. I know you can like play it in VR. I okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not sure on that. Um. But either way, you know, the fact that he's able that he's like, you know what? At 82 years old, I'm going to take on the challenge of trying to get back in that headspace where I was at 40 years ago yeah. to reprise this character, um, for this video game, which is like awesome because it gives you more of a character that you know people love, mm -hmm. um. And then, you know, you just look, those are like the two big ones. But I mean, you look in between here. I mean, you see him in Chariots of Fire, Ratatouille, uh, Hamlet. Mm -hmm. You have all these, I'm just scrolling through here. So I'm just reading them off. Like, you just have all the time bandits. Like, you have just all of these crazy, crazy roles that he has played. He was in a version of uh, Les Mis as well. Yeah. Um. It's just crazy how versatile an actor he was and how um, long he worked. You know what I mean? It's it's mm -hmm. just crazy. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, Fifth Element. He was in the Fifth Element. Oh, shit. I didn't even see yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's just like if you could go through this. He was in Day yeah. After Tomorrow, Garden State. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, Garden State. I saw a post from uh, Zach Braff, you know, saying that Ian Holm, you know, Zach Braff um, – I believe, let me double check here. Yeah, Zach Braff uh, directed Garden State. It was his first time ever directing. He wrote this lovely piece um, about how Ian Holm, who at that time was, you know, massive actor. Mm -hmm. This is uh, post Lord of the Rings, right after Return of the King came out. Um, and he, he posted how Ian Holm took a chance on him and said, you know, like, I like some of your some of your acting work. You know, I'll I'll be in your movie. Um, and he said that was like a huge break for him because it legitimized the movie by having someone of the caliber of Ian Holm in your yeah. film. Um, and then he went on a on a run here in the early 2000s. Because um, then right after that, you have Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, 2003, Garden yep. State right after that, Day After Tomorrow right after that, The Aviator right after that. Yep. Um, and then, you know, you get into, you know, Lord of War, uh, and then you get into Ratatouille, which is, you know, he played uh, Skinner, the little angry chef guy yeah. uh, in, in that movie, who, you know, is definitely a, a fan favorite character. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just he just did so much, so much serious work and so much, you know, family work, too. Mm -hmm. You know, he was definitely uh, a beloved actor by any really type of fan, you know, yeah. genre fans with alien, uh, you know, sci-fi fantasy fans with Lord of the Rings. 
And then just film fans with his, you know, amazing dramatic work mm -hmm. in things like Chariots of Fire and uh, other stuff and like The Aviator. Um, so definitely, you know, him and both both Ian Holm and Joel Schumacher will definitely be missed. Uh, you know, definitely two big losses. And, you know, if you want to experience any of your work, there is no shortage of things to watch. Yeah. Uh, so I would definitely, you know, encourage you to go out, you know, take a look at some of the stuff that they've done. Um, but with that, uh, you know, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, you know, this week we have a lot of good news. Um, let's start off uh, with some good news, then some really uh, stupid news, and then some more good news after okay. that. Um, so the first one is good news. Uh, so a a couple months ago, maybe two months ago at this point, it was announced that the Hamilton movie uh, or Hamilton fit hashtag Hamilton film yeah. is what they're calling it. Um, originally, that film was supposed to come out theatrically in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, due to the lockdown, due to COVID and everything, Disney decided to not only uh, make it Disney Plus, but to move it up an entire year. So now uh, I believe it's coming out August 2020. Uh, I think it's so, July. I thought it was July. I think oh, like no, July you're right. 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. Because it's for uh, 4th of July. Yeah. Um, you're right. So it's now coming out uh, in July 2020. So they moved it up a whole year and put it on Disney Plus. So it's accessible to anyone and everyone that wants to see it. Um, but one of the criticisms or not criticisms, criticisms, but maybe uh, worries, I would say, one of the worries mm -hmm. of fans of the um, show was that, uh, you know, the show swears, you know, it swears um, not a ton, but um, I would say impactfully. So like yeah. it's, it, it's a couple big moments that, you know, the, the, the F word, you know, saying it really uh, packs a punch, really lends itself yeah. to the story. And people were worried because it was going on Disney plus that that would not be in there. And it would kind of take away from, mm -hmm. um, you know, the punch of some of those moments uh, you know, they were worried that Disney would have to kind of like sanitize it a little bit. Uh, but Lin-Manuel Miranda himself took to Twitter today to clear it up. He said, just so you guys know, I know some of you are worried about it. He even, he said, uh, Disney plus will, uh, give a fuck. So they yeah. will, they will, and he said they will give one fuck. Yeah. So yeah. basically he said the MPAA, uh, the motion picture association, um, said they can have one, you know, without getting into an R-rated territory, which obviously Disney does not want oh, yeah, uh, exactly. it to be R-rated on their service, yeah. um, which, you know, makes sense. We've talked many times about how Disney Plus is family-oriented. Um, and so he he said flat out, he said, these are the three lines that have the F word in it. Where it's going to be muted out of this line and muted mm -hmm. out of this line. And this is the one that it'll stay in. I don't have the exact lines uh, in front of me right now. But, you know, I think on Lynn's uh, part, definitely great. You know, it's it's really the only thing that was holding people back from being yeah. head over heels for this news. And he just kind of cleared it up right away so that people can really just get in and enjoy the show. So what do, yeah. you, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, in any case, uh, even if they did, like, censor them, it's, it's Disney's, you know, streaming platform. So they can kind of do whatever they want to do. Um, I think it's good news. I uh, I don't understand why this took so long to put out. I don't understand that. Like why I don't understand why they were originally doing it for 2021 if it's pre-recorded already. 
I think the trouble was, yes, it's pre-recorded, but think about it. You're pre-recording a live performance. That's a lot of post audio work yeah. and a lot of editing and stuff to get yeah. the right shots. Um, clearly, uh, clearly it did not take that long to that long. put it in 2021. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I believe this was a, cause I mean, there was a recording when Lynn had the long hair and I, I yeah, believe the original went, cast. Yeah. The original yeah. cast and everything. So it had to be, um, you know, not too long ago, but it had yeah. to be a good amount ago. Um, uh, I would have to guess probably before, uh, Mary Poppins went into production. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, it's probably, they probably just been sitting on it for a couple of years. Yeah. And then we're like, you know what? With the lockdown and everything, how fast can we get this thing out? You know, like, yeah. let's let's throw some more people on it, really get it going, like, mm -hmm. get it going a little bit faster. Um, but I, that's probably my guess is yeah. just it's a lot of post work that had yeah. to be done on it, um, especially on the audio side. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'd want to put out, like, especially with the audio end of yeah. it sure they want to put out the absolute best sounding production that mm -hmm. they can um i mean i'm excited for it i've seen i've seen it live once it was well you it. have seen it live. yeah i saw it chase oh okay um, yeah yeah i really liked it i like the soundtrack i'm mm -hmm. i'm interested to see like just the original cast i mean the yeah. cast i saw was good obviously mm -hmm. um but i'm just curious yeah, so when it came to Shays, mm -hmm. uh, I remember this news was already out that there was yeah. going to be a film. Um, because my mother was like, Oh, do you wanna do you wanna try and get tickets? And I was like, No, I'm gonna wait because I want I just want the I don't want to see anything of it until I see it uh in this like film version. Yeah. I was like, I just wanna see it that way. Um that way I can I don't know. It was just kind of one of those weird things that I was just like, you know what? No, I, I'm just gonna watch it. I think oh, that's what it was. I was like, I want to watch it with the original cast because everybody says that's the best way to watch it. I, and I don't want my first version yeah. to be without Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Because um, he really, like, honestly, if I'm being honest with myself and uh, and the viewers or listeners, I think the first thing I ever saw Lin-Manuel Miranda in was his cameo on Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 9. Oh, yeah. Uh, where, <laughs> where he's doing the, the um, he's battling off against... Um, against Larry that whole season and it, oh, ends yeah. with, it ends with the, uh, what do you want to call it? The paintball war between the two of them. Um, I think that was honestly the first thing I ever saw him in. And then obviously mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on this show, but you know, Mary Poppins returns is one. I, I think it's a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorite um, outputs from Disney yeah. live action in the past, like 15 years. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to him. I love the character in there. I love uh, all the music that he helped write for that movie as well. Um, and I, I just really like the the music and stuff that he does. Um, you know, I think he worked on Moana and Frozen yeah. 2 uh, and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I am definitely uh, interested. Can't wait. You know, actually at this point, it would be what, like two weeks from now? Yeah. And, uh, gonna it's going to be coming out. It's pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so I will definitely be watching that. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into this is the story that I was talking about that was originally going to be uh, really our only big news. And then all of a sudden today, you know, we had that big influx of news, um, yeah. which is earlier in the week, there was a and we just want to disclose, you know, we've talked about it before. Um, both TJ and myself are uh, employees at AMC Theaters. Um, so we do work for AMC. 
so hopefully uh, nothing happens with us talking about this. I don't think it will, but uh, just just to be honest with you guys, you know, we do yeah. work for the company. Um, but AMC earlier this week, uh, after Regal announced that it would be reopening theaters, I believe Regal said July 17th. Yeah. Um, news started to come out that AMC will be reopening on July 15th. Um, now, very quickly after that news, people started reading their policies and their reopening strategies mm -hmm. and realized that they will not be requiring masks. So where the state and local authorities um, require masks, they will have to, The um, and I should say, they always said, that the employees must wear masks, but this is just yeah. specifically for the guests. Um, they said where local authorities require it, you will have to wear a mask where they don't, it will be up to you, but um, they are going to be selling masks for $1 uh, at the theaters. Uh, the internet uh, exploded, erupted. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into that, what was your original thoughts when you saw that they were not going to be requiring masks for the patrons. I just uh, shook my head because I I don't know if you, you probably didn't mention it, but uh, the CEO's quote was, we did not want to get ourselves entangled in a political controversy. Yeah, it's like, that was the direct quote from uh, okay. CEO Adam Aaron. But you already did by saying that you're not going to require masks. Exactly. So basically, you're, it's a double-edged sword. You're screwed if you do, and you're screwed if you don't. Yeah, you know, people are gonna complain that they don't want to wear masks. Um, but it also just and I've been working at AMC since I was 16. It's my first job. Uh, I've been here five years, a little over five years. Um, it just it sh it almost looks to us as if you don't care. And yeah, it's you know. We we don't, and I, I I guarantee that you don't. Uh, you probably say the same thing that I'm going to say. A lot of people we work with would probably say the same thing. Is you know we don't work there. We work there for one to see the movies, and we work there because we like the people we work with. Mm -hmm. You know I I don't I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily love the job in any way. Um, I mean I'm still there because I like generally you know I've made a lot of friends. I met my girlfriend there of three years. Mm -hmm. um, I generally like the people I work with and that's why I'm still there. Um, and it's just, it just sometimes feels like, and we always, I feel like we always say this too. It just sometimes feel like we're not respected because we're the ones who are, you know, selling the concessions, we're selling the tickets, we're cleaning up after people. Um, and it just, yeah, it just shows like a lack of like caring, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel. I imagine you probably feel a little bit the same way, but yeah, I just think. Um, sorry, I just think uh, it's it just shows. I don't know. I think it's it's just dis. I would say it's disappointing. Yeah. Um, that you have something like that, uh, especially the the words that were used, you know, with. Um, with AMC uh, saying, you know, we don't want to get into a political controversy. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes, obviously, 
it's hard to know obviously what's going to happen, how the internet is going to react, how the world's going to react to, to anything and everything that you say. Um, but I mean, even just saying that, even just saying we don't want to get into a political controversy Mm -hmm. is politically controversial. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, especially for a company that large when the whole world for months has had its eyes glued to the movie theater industry to see what is going to happen. What's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, I think it goes to show you the different, what the difference is, mm-hmm. is I think the people, okay. I think the people upstairs might be doing uh, construction or moving or something. So I apologize uh, if there's any audio issues. Um, uh, I think what it shows you is the difference Mm-hmm. is AMC puts out the, the statement, uh, or I, sh- I shouldn't say AMC, it was a quote um, from CEO Adam Aaron uh, that said, we do not want to get ourselves involved with a political controversy. Um, the difference is Regal, two days earlier, announced that their plans to reopen yeah. and also did not require masks. Yeah. But because of that additional statement from Adam Aaron... It, it blew up on AMC. Mm-hmm. You know, Regal had the exact same policy, but nobody was talking about that because Regal just kind of like did it quietly. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Regal's also not um, the biggest, uh, you know, theater movie. chain in the world. Yes. Yeah, yeah, theater company in the world. You know, with yeah. the um, AMC uh, stateside, you know, is humongous. And they also have the Odeon theaters and more uh, internationally and in Europe. Yeah. Um, the Odeon theaters were some of the first uh, to close in Italy when, you know, Italy had the virus so bad. Um, you know, you were seeing the, the awful numbers coming out of Italy. Uh, you know, so there was AMC had to make the choice to start closing uh, some of the European theaters the earlier. So then the Internet lost its mind. Yeah. And <clears throat> the uh, AMC uh, corporate. Mm-hmm. decided to reverse its uh, ruling and has decided to make it uh, absolutely mandatory yes. that in all theaters nationwide, masks for both uh, patrons and employees will be absolutely required. Yes. Um, and after they reverse their decision on that, then uh, very quietly, Regal and Cinemark and other big theater chains yeah. um, did... Uh, follow suit and mm-hmm. they're now making masks mandatory so you know as two theater employees it's definitely a plus for us knowing that uh you know even for the you know obviously we only work at one theater but knowing that the thousand you know we know how how theaters work and how close everyone is yeah even if it might not feel like it you know mm-hmm. i remember even back when we were still open and uh you know governor cuomo was lowering the occupancy um you know, that works in the theaters, but you, you don't really think, okay, that's great. You're limiting a theater going from 150 people to 40 people, mm-hmm. but you don't really think, okay, but what happens if all 40 of those people come in at the same time as another 40 people? Now you yeah. still have 80 people. You still have 80 people in the lobby. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I feel like that's something that maybe they just weren't thinking about or people yeah. don't really think about that often. Um and I think it's just it's a it's a sigh of relief for you know me and TJ knowing yeah. that nationwide 
you know, if there's those situations where, you know, you have, you can have 80 people in the lobby at the same time because they're only limiting the per mm -hmm. theater capacity, um, that all those people will be wearing masks. Um, and, uh, you know, it's definitely a help. Just to add on to the movie theater chain. Yeah. This was, I guess, June 19th. I, ju I just saw it on the latest movie news, Sidebar and Hollywood Reporter. Cineplex in Canada will not be requiring uh, face masks. Oh, boy. All right. Well. <laughs> so I would just see what happened to that. Uh, obviously, there's no Cineplexes here in the United States, but I know they're, like, the biggest in Canada. I don't know if they're big in, like, Europe mm -hmm. or anything. Um, yeah, I think they are. I think they are because um, they're um, – I really hope I'm getting this right – I believe Cineplex is owned by Cineworld. That um, I thought Cineworld, it has a lot in Europe too. Yeah, that I saw was like there. I think they're they're on the verge of a deal, but it's complicated. So I don't think they have bought them yet. That's what it was. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I feel like that news was like in the fall that like yeah. they were going to be purchasing yeah. them, but I didn't know if it had gone through yet. Yeah, no, I think like a week or two ago, it was like it's up for debate still up like, in the air yeah. yeah well that was a if it was the fall that's rough time to be in the theater buying business yeah um because you know month month later we all know what happened <laughs> uh all right and we are back so uh at the end of our last new segment uh my power decided to go out um so this episode if this episode was late that is why uh all right so Let's go ahead and get into it. Title of the episode today, big news breaking, exclusive via the wrap. We have a story that Michael Keaton is returning, or at least is in talks to return mm -hmm. as Batman in the Flash for the DCEU. So some more details on this have come out over the next uh, few hours, over the past few hours. Um, basically saying that, uh, in effect, Michael Keaton will be replacing Ben Affleck as the character. So that will be basically technically like the same character. Um, and this will, uh, like canonize, uh, Batman and Batman returns as canon in the DCEU. Okay. Uh, and that, um, what do you want to call it? Uh. What's his name? It just went out of my head. Robert Pattinson. Oh, yeah. uh, his movies will be completely separate. Kind of like okay. Joker. Just completely not the same at all. Completely which separate. I'm fine with. <laughs> like, which I'm fine yeah. with. The, the main headline to take out of it. Well, I shouldn't say the main headline. The main headline is the headline that Michael Keaton, after uh, quick math, 28 years, mm -hmm. is returning to his Batman character. Um but the secondary thing to come out of this is, for the first time in a while, it's this. these few weeks and months have shown us that DC has a plan. That they are not, they're finally, looks like they're finally not going to go the Marvel route where they're just trying to rush to get to, the, to these teen yeah. movies. It looks like they're taking their time. Reports are saying that, that, that his Batman character will kind of um, portray like a linchpin of the universe, kind of like a Nick Fury style, um, oh, okay. where, where he's more of like the mentor recruiter yeah. type. Um, because another thing that came with this report is that the next likely thing that we would see his Batman in, besides The Flash, would be uh, the Batgirl film. 
mm-hmm. um, which I think would be very interesting. So, I mean, what do you think? This is, I mean, I lost my mind when I saw um, this news come out. Uh, I was driving and I damn near had to pull over. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, this is what? Yeah. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts? I mean, after 28 years, it's very possible that we will have, I mean, actually, uh, by the time Flash comes out, actually, it'll be exactly 30 years because um, it'd be 20, 2022. So mm-hmm. um, exactly 30 years later, you know, we might be seeing yeah. Michael Keaton back as Batman. What, do you, what are your thoughts? What do you think? What do you think is going to um, happen? I think it's I think it's a pretty cool uh, idea. Um, I'm also like well, at the same time I'm wondering like oh is Ezra Miller even going to be in the movie? Like I don't is he still playing Flash or is he? Yeah, exactly. Because he tried to like write it and then the other the previous director right because they switched directors is like oh I yeah, want to go there like four directors yeah yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's a cool idea. So let me under I'm going to ask you and see if I understand this correctly. So he's coming back to play. So he's going to play. Affleck's Batman? Basically, um, a, f- a fan theory that's been there for years okay. because Batman v Superman, I've been doing this for 25 years or yeah. whatever. It's like, oh, that kind of perfectly lines up to make him Michael Keaton's Batman. Yeah. Um, so basically, in shorter terms, it's, it's probably going to be more nuanced than that. Um, but in shorter terms, they have basically just made it so that Affleck's Batman and Keaton's Batman are the same character same person. Okay. Yeah. So basically what we'll see, it's, it's crazy though, because then that means that that means that every single Batman movie besides the dark Knight trilogy has been the same character. Yeah. Because <laughs> Hilmer and Clooney yeah. are the Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah. And so now they're just basically saying, Hey, the Alf- the Affleck one was too. Yeah. And now we're bringing back Michael Keaton to finish it off, basically, yeah. which is I, crazy. I don't think I. I mean, obviously, it's like still a Flash movie, so I don't think he'll have that big of like a like role. Um, but it'll be like a nice, like cool cameo and stuff like that. I I feel like I heard about like this being a rumor like last year. Like, has this been a thing for a while, or is it, did it like just like no, not not really Michael Keaton coming back. No? That's been like I mean that was like. For the Crisis on Infinite Earths event for CW, there's people that were like, oh, do you think maybe Keaton will come back for that? Yeah. Um, but not in the movies. Um, okay. This was kind of like out of the blue. But I yeah. actually think it's going to be a lot more than a cameo. Um, yeah. Because if they're going with a Flashpoint story, mm-hmm. earlier this week there was reports that, because um, Flashpoint, obviously a major character in Flashpoint is Batman, um, but not Bruce Wayne, Thomas Wayne. Um, that's the one where it's his father. So there was a report earlier this week saying that Jeffrey Dean Morgan would be coming back in the Flash movie to portray Batman in the Flash movie. Obviously, Jeffrey Dean Morgan played Thomas Wayne in Batman v Superman, so yeah. it'd be still the same, you know, universe and everything. Um, now they're saying this basically replaces that rumor. So um, somebody tweeted out that um, the Thomas Wayne Batman hasn't been in the script for years. Mm -hmm. Um, that they're going with an actual Bruce Wayne. So if Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne is going to be kind of filling that, that Batman role in a flashpoint type storyline, that is a massive role. Um, If that's the kind of thing that he's filling in for. Yeah. Um, You're, you, you could be completely right. He could be something just shows up right at the end is, and is like, we're putting the team back together. (laughs) Very like something like that. But um, yeah. 
The only thing that, like, to me, that's, like, eh, like, it's going to be hard to do is now Batman would be uh, older than Alfred if they bring back um, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, yeah. Um, that's the thing where it's, like... It just is interesting to see what where they're going to go with this. I know. Because there's not really, like... Uh, like continuity with the actor's age, correct? Because no, exactly, yeah. From you know who was the la- who was who was like the last one in like the eighties, nineties Batman, and then it went to uh, Clooney. Clooney. So yeah. it went to Clooney, and then it went to Ben Affleck, and now it's going back to Michael Keaton. And you're like, okay. which I mean, you could <laughs> you could make the argument that you know, honestly, I think I think it would be fine. Yeah, I think no matter what they do, they're gonna wig up uh, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah, because I mean they wigged up Ben Affleck. Like that was a wig. That was that Batman hair was a wig. Yeah, you just throw the same type of hair on uh, Michael Keaton, and you just call it a day. You know what I mean? You like honestly, like Jack's Batman, like uh, in BVS. And I don't know. I I don't think he's gonna be like jacked, but I mean, I mean like bulky suit. Like is he gonna be like the you know, I don't know I would, what the suit's called, but I mean, I would like to see it be the 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 Affleck suit, the like the what I would call like the like the duct tape looking yeah, suit, yeah, basically yeah. like the gray with the yeah. big bat. I would like to see Keaton in that suit. I mean, this whole role could just be Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah, All these reports are saying he's playing Batman, mm-hmm. but it could just be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um. So temper expectations a little bit in that regard, I would say. Um, But I I would say my ideal situation is to maybe, if he's going to play a Nick Fury type role, have him pop up in Flash, have him pop up in Wonder Woman 84, maybe. Quick (laughs) post-credit. Quick post-credit, you know, that would be crazy. Uh, have him pop up in uh, Shazam 2, you know, like oh, all yeah. the movies that we have coming up, have him pop up in all these movies as Bruce, mm-hmm. and then finally have him suit up in like Justice League 2. You know what I mean? Like have him finally come back in Justice League 2 um, and just do like, uh, you know, just have the same type of suit, but obviously he's just going to be a thinner Batman. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Let's see here. Hang on. I want to get uh, Michael Keaton's age. Yeah, so he's 68 years old. Um, Is he really? So, That's older than yeah. I thought. <laughs> Let's see here. He doesn't look that old. Okay, so he, what did I just say? 68, 68? or 63? Yeah. Okay, 68. 68. Yeah, so George Clooney is 59. So, like, the age was never really there in the first place. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the age continuity was kind of thrown out the window as soon as they recast. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think whatever happens, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. And, I, mean, with, I mean, also with this movie, you have to figure it's like a few years away because do they even have like a finished script? I think the script is as finished now as it has been. Oh. Like, I think, I think pro- I, you're absolutely right in that 
they have rewritten and reworked the script <laughs> like multiple times. Yeah. But I think the script they're on right now is probably going to turn into the final movie. The final one. Yeah. yeah. Like I think they're, I think, I think with the flash movie, we're finally out of the meme territory of like, is this movie ever going to get made? Like, I, I think we now have con the only thing is, you know, Ezra, what's going to happen with that, with the video and everything. Who knows? Um, but I think we're as close to this getting made as possible. And yeah. I think it's amazing that we're going to have Keaton in there. Um, and later on in the show, uh, after our review, we are going to be ranking all of the movie Batman. So this is theatrically released actors that have paid, played Batman in theaters. Um, so we're going to be ranking those later on in the show for some more Batman talk. Like we said earlier, uh, heavy Batman episode. Lots of Batman to go over. All right. Uh, next story here is going to be that Cobra Kai finds a new dojo in Netflix. So season one and two of Cobra Kai were kind of the hallmark, uh, the cornerstone show of YouTube, what used to be called YouTube Red, now called YouTube Premium. Um, YouTube Premium's kind of trying to move away from scripted content, um, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, so the... Season the third and uh, maybe final. I think it was third and final at YouTube, but now maybe there's more life to be had. The third season of Cobra Kai was already filmed uh, in okay. the can, but they were going to scrap it. Um, it was canceled. Yeah, I know it was canceled um, by YouTube. Yeah, but uh, it was being heavily shopped around because obviously, I mean, it's kind of an anomaly that a show that good was on YouTube. You know, I don't know if you saw it. No, I never um, seen it, but I always like you got. Like, I've just heard people, like, loved it. And I was always like, why is it on – it's on YouTube? That's yeah. why I was always like, I don't understand that, but okay. Yeah, yeah it was – it's really good. Um, yeah. It does a really, really – I don't want to – it's not really a spoiler, but uh, have you ever seen Karate Kid? Yeah, I've seen it. Right? Okay, yeah. So it um, – basically, it flips it. It makes Daniel LaRusso mm -hmm. the bad guy, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it, it's, uh, it follows um, – Oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. And I met the guy, um, Billy Zabka, um, okay. follows his character, uh, mm -hmm. who is, you know, just trying to like live his life, you know, and he meets a Daniel LaRusso type kid. He trains him up, um, reopens Cobra Kai, uh, and I won't go into spoilers, but kind of uh, has a hard time reconciling with uh, the type of person he was back then. Oh, okay. And uh, that's all I'll say with that. Very interesting thing happens at the end of the first season um, that kind of turns everything on its head. Uh, but basically the main thing is it makes Ralph Macchio and, you know, Daniel LaRusso uh, mm -hmm. an asshole and yeah. kind of the villain of the series, uh, which I think is very good. I think that lends, I think that's a big reason why it's so good. Um, is because it really kind of flips it on its head there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, fantastic news picked up by Netflix of all places. Um, so You're, you're you really know, pushing the originals. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's pro I don't know if well, – uh, could you call it a Netflix original? Yeah, sense. I mean, they called Clone Wars a Netflix original. True. <laughs> like, and, and they did six episodes. Yeah. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, so I think the, it'll definitely probably be referred to as a Netflix original from now on. Um, and then, uh, you know, I would be, I would be very, like I said, uh, you know, they, they were going to scrap it after the, after this, or before this third season, even at YouTube. 
Um, but I, you know, I hope with the fan base already on the show and how many more people it's going to reach being on Netflix, I'm, I got to assume Netflix is going to give it a big push when it comes out. Yeah. Um, they're saying here, Netflix is saying the seasons one and two will be added to Netflix oh, this okay, year. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then season three will follow shortly after. So we might be looking at Cobra Kai season three, like, um, maybe start of 2021, I guess, maybe. Um, maybe a little bit sooner than that, uh, hopefully. Uh, but I would, uh, uh, nonetheless, I would hope moving to Netflix gives it new blood and new life. So maybe we can yeah. see a season four, season five type thing. Um, because I got to assume it's a relatively cheap show. You know, mm -hmm. there's like maybe 20 actors in it. Um, yeah. and it's really simple, small sets. Um, probably doesn't cost that much. So hopefully, you know, we can see a lot more of that coming. Um, all right. And next up here, just a quick story. Uh, J.K. Simmons in an interview just said that, uh, hey, J. Jonah Jameson fans, you have a lot more to look forward to uh, in the yeah. MCU. Uh, and the uh, the Sunk, or whatever they're calling it, the Sony Universe of Marvel Characters. That's okay. what they're officially calling the Ven – I'm going to call it the Venomverse until yeah. it's officially added to the MCU, which okay. I think it should be. Um but uh, yeah, the this the S S U M C and the M C U. So uh, basically, along with it looks like along with Peter Parker, um, the other character that's going to be straddling both universes is going to be J Jonah Jameson. Um, what he officially says is that he has already filmed his next appearance. So okay. one would assume that's Morbius. Um, which also, you know, another thing that's interesting is um, <laughs> you could very well see Michael Keaton be at the very forefront yeah. of two big franchises yeah. because, you know, you see vultures popping back up in Morbius. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> at this point, it's abundantly clear they're heading straight for a Sinister Six story, yep. whether that's going to be a Sinister Six movie or a Spider-Man movie called like Spider-Man and the Sinister Six Sinister or something. Six, yeah. Um, but you got to imagine the vulture is going to be like leading that. Yeah. Uh, so you could very well see Michael Keaton playing a, a beloved Marvel character as a villain in one franchise and then reprising his Batman role, like in the same year, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you think about just already with one movie, how, uh, iconic a villain, you know, like Michael Keaton shot vulture up to like people call him you know top three villains in the mcu yeah after one movie and oh, clearly yeah. he's back on board for many more movies to come in that role so um that'd be definitely uh, interesting to see so yeah if i had to guess the the cameo that or appearance that uh, jk sims is talking about is probably morbius um maybe it's venom 2 you know maybe he's in or maybe it's both you know maybe he's going to be in morbius and venom mm -hmm. 2 uh maybe just anything in the Spider-Verse, we have yeah. to look forward to uh, um, J.K. Simmons in there. Do you want to, like, can you... I know, I was camera? just trying to look. Oh. Focus. Can you go go up to it and then come back? There we go. All right. Oh. That's good. All right. <laughs> Oh boy, this is a this is a podcast for problems today. <laughs> this is the editing on this one is going to be fantastic. I, I cannot wait. Um, started late, had a power outage. Yep. I didn't know what day it was. Uh, we had all these last minute news subjects. 
it's great. It's going to be great. Um, all right. So last story, last news story, finally, um, is that the 2021 Golden Globe ceremony, um, because last week, you know, we talked about the Academy Awards pushing yeah. back. Um, the Golden Globes are also going to delay themselves a little bit uh, to February 28th, 2021, um, with both Tina Fey and Amy Poehler returning to host. Um, so do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think it's a good move? Uh, you uh, know? I think it's cool. I I think I – did I watch last year? I forget. I might have watched, like, snippets because I thought they were good hosting because I think they mm-hmm. did last year, right, if I'm correct. They hosted something. Uh, yeah. Yes. I don't know. They've, this is like their like sixth time hosting. Yeah, I can't even uh, remember the ceremony from last year. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't necessarily like watch it. I mean, I probably will watch it, but yeah, I think it's a good move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see uh, again. You know, just like we talked about with the Oscars, it'll be interesting to see if them hosting this is going to be mm-hmm. to an empty auditorium oh, or yeah. if it's going to be just like on a little set. You know what I mean? Honestly. Yeah. I mean, why rent out an, an empty auditorium when you could literally do it with a green screen in a living room? You know what I mean? Um, that's what I'd have to assume by that point is that it's going to be, you know, a um, kind of like a telecast thing where people will yeah. Skype in or Zoom in uh, to accept their awards. Um, but with that, that is finally going to be the end of the new news segment. Um, so with that, the Planet Film Podcast will be right back in just a moment. All right, and we are back. Thank you so much for uh, bearing with us on that. So now it's time for our segment, Tell Me What to Watch, I Don't Know What to Watch. Tell me what to do, I don't know what to do. All right, well, today, today we are going to be reviewing Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. In anticipation for Bill and Ted Face the Music coming out uh, in just about, you know, about a month and a half here, uh, August 14th. Uh, Definitely looking forward to that quite a bit. Um, At some point between now and then, we will be reviewing uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey as well. Uh, But today we're going to be going ahead and starting off with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, So just wanted to start off with some of the facts and figures here. Um, so this was released in 1989. Uh, it had an estimated, but uh, some of the, it's not really available, the exact budget, um, but it's estimated uh, that the budget was around 15 million. Uh, it opened to about 6.1 million and then ended its run with 40,485,000. Um, so, you know, it made a pretty good chunk of change for like a teen, like dumb teen comedy yeah. type thing, you know, going into the nineties. Um, definitely, you know, obviously had a lot of young people mm-hmm. uh, go see it uh, with, you know, Keanu Reeves off the back of, you know, movies like he had been in movies like uh, parenthood and stuff like that at that time. Um, that was all around there. Uh, and then Alex winter, you know, coming out of, you know, relatively unknown. Uh, but I mean, just to start off, I mean, this movie is like iconic you know, like it's, yeah. you know, if you if you hear anybody say like you know, be excellent to each other or like party on, dudes, like that whole thing, like that's all comes from this. You know, it's such an iconic movie that just was became iconic almost instantly. Yeah. Um, and especially, obviously, 
once it got the home release and repeat viewings and repeat showings and stuff like that all the time. Um, and then, you know, when obviously it'll be at a different review, but just the sequel, when it goes even bigger and even crazier, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how the third one does because there's such a built in fan following for these movies. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, but you know, what, what would you say are your initial impressions? You know, uh, this was the first time you had seen it, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. So, what what was your initial? Uh, without getting too much into the story elements and stuff, what was? Do you your want to give initial... me my? Do you want me to give my star review on Letterbox or no? Not yet. Uh, we'll give that at the uh, end of our like initial okay. thoughts. Um. So so just without getting into like story stuff, because yeah. Um. What what do you think uh, were your initial thoughts on the movie and stuff like that? Because once again, just like last week, uh, we did not look at each other's reviews, so I don't know what he thought of it, if he yeah. liked it or hated it or what. So go ahead and uh, what'd you think? Um, so overall, I thought the movie was, uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't go along with the whole like dumb high schooler, like talk that I, I can't stand that for some reason. Like, cause this is already like the movie was making my, I was thinking the whole time I go, okay, what are we going to do with this new one? I go, are we going to talk the same way? Or are we going to, you know, talk like we're adults? Like I can't, I couldn't do the whole, like, yo dude, uh, uh, like just, I can't do like the whole, like, it's almost like dumb jock kind of, but they're not jocks. They're like, you know, they're in a band. Um, I thought the plot was just like preposterous. I, <laughs> I just was like, they have to go back in time. Can I say the plot? Is that fine? Yeah, like okay. just like they have to go back in time to grab these uh, uh, like historical figures. historical figures yeah. to present a project, or if they don't, they're gonna fail high school and then um, get sent to get the sent to Oates military, military yeah, academy. Yeah. Military academy. I did think it, I thought it was funny. Like it did its job. It made me laugh. Yeah, but like the overall like plot, I was just like, you just didn't buy into it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, like, like one of the jokes were like he, they just they don't call him Socrates; they keep calling so crazy. So crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just don't like. I just didn't buy into the whole like language of it. I guess mm-hmm. like the language. Okay, I gotta, I gotta know what's what's the star rating on this. This is oh, it's it's pretty. It's still pretty high. I still gave I gave it three and a half. So I still gave it like a decent score. Wow. Like it doesn't bother me that it doesn't like bother me. It's just like, it's not like I go watch five minutes of it. And I've turned it off. Cause it's so like mm-hmm. mind numbing to me or anything. And I'm not some like intellectual type person like that. Like, trust me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just kind of, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. You're, you're no, you're no Scrooge. Basically. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> yeah. You're no Scrooge. Yeah. Um, okay. So, well, wow. Okay. I really did not expect that. I did not yeah. expect uh, uh, you to bring up issues like that. Uh, I get this. This uh, for me. This is a as a fiber right there. <laughs> to me, this is a perfect movie. Perfect movie. I oh, think this Lord. movie is fantastic. I could, you know, there, there's something going around Facebook or Twitter or something. It's like, yeah. Uh, if you got paid like a hundred thousand dollars, what movie could you watch for twenty four hours straight? It would be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Or Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I would take either one. Um, but to me, I mean, I don't even remember how old I was when I first mm-hmm. saw this. Maybe I was like 14 or 15. 
Um, like it definitely wasn't super early, like some of the other yeah. movies that I love, but I was definitely probably in high school. Um, I want to say I was probably like 14 or 15. Um, but that, to me, this movie this is a perfect movie. I could watch this movie. I love the like party on dudes. Like, yeah, like, I, in, like I, oh my God. And like, so did you, okay. So let's go ahead and get into the actual movie. Okay. Here. So we're going to go ahead and um, we're going to try it. We're, you know, each week, you know, we're kind of workshopping the and tooling uh, the structure of the reviews, you know. So we're going to go ahead this week. We're going to try and run through the movie mm-hmm. um, point by point, you know, going through from start to end uh, to see if that, you know, uh, if you guys like that more, if that generates, you know, a more on-track on conversation, yeah. um, let's just say, because sometimes, you know, we can get into a tangent or two, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is nothing wrong with, but we want to make sure that we're hitting every aspect of the film and everything. Um, so we have the opening, uh, you know, they're in the garage jamming out. They sound like shit. Uh, they can't play for anything. Um, then we cut to, you know, school They're in history class, not paying attention at all. Um, they both get told by, uh, their teacher, uh, you know, basically typical, you know, dumb movie stuff of like, uh, of like, well, you've been bad all year, but yeah, this one project this will, one will project make will or break you. Yeah. yeah, will make or break your entire high school and, career. And that scene, like they, because he caught the teacher calls on him, and obviously he doesn't know the answer. Yeah. Um. And everybody laughs, and I, I'm just thinking to myself now. I go, okay, we're. I, I can't tell if they're liked or if they're not liked, because they're either they're laughing at him or they're laughing with him, mm-hmm. and. I don't want to like skip too far ahead, but you know, in the, when they do the final presentation, they're laughing at them. It seems like. So really? I, I, okay. Well, I, we'll I, talk about that later. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Um, okay. That's interesting. Okay. So, um, so you, you have obviously at this point, you haven't seen the sequel yet, right? No, I haven't seen. Okay. The well, there, there's, n- I would say there's nothing really in the sequel. Um, to uh there's nothing really in the sequel to let us know how they're looked at in high school yeah um because the sequel is is uh much bigger in scope okay um much much bigger i know like the plot i think like yeah yeah. um (laughs) but there's there's nothing that really tells us that but i I took it as just like it's just kind of the whole school's just kind of like oh that Bill and Ted, like oh, they're um, yeah, like yeah. they they're they got one or eight screws loose, <laughs> uh, type of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like they get they get called on, and he's like, "Listen to me, you guys got you know at least learn your subjects, and they're all written on the on the whiteboard, and it's all the names of, of course, you know, spoiler, it's all the names of the people that you're gonna meet along the movie." Um, so then they go home. Uh, you know, they're like what are we going to do, man? Like, we got to, we got to, like, I can't, my dad's going to send me to Oates Military Academy. Like, what? <laughs> um, and so they're kind of talking about life, kind of trying to study, yeah. uh, doing a horrible job at it. Uh, they can't even read uh, the names correctly. As you said, they call Socrates uh, Socrates, the whole movie, uh, right up until the end, obviously, because at the end they get all the names perfectly right. Yeah. Um, and then they are still talking, but they decide to go for a walk. They end up at the Circle K, uh, and then that is when whew, the 
phone booth lands. Yeah. Uh, obviously, poking fun at the TARDIS from Doctor Who um, <laughs> in the be- in the absolute best way possible. Yeah. And then steps out the legend himself, George Carlin, as Rufus, Rufus. Uh, who is fantastic character, uh, lets them know that he is there to save their history report. And their minds are blown. Then another phone booth lands. It's them. It's them, and they say, you're in for an excellent adventure, yeah. which I think the words excellent adventure is said like maybe 30 times in this movie um, by a ton of different characters. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? What are your whole thoughts on you know the Rufus arrival scene and explaining the time travel and meeting themselves? Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was uh, a cool scene. Um, I, li- I do like the fact that, they're meeting themselves, you know, later in the movie. And then, you know, later in the movie, you see that exact scene, like, again. Yeah. I liked how it comes around like that. Um, but, yeah, overall, I thought it was uh, a good, like, start. Like, I thought, yeah. Like, I don't, like, I don't have any, like, problem. It's just how they talk, I think. It's like just what that's what gets to me is, like, I can't, like, just listen to that for some reason. That's like crazy. It might, this might be because I, you watch it a younger, like I'm watching it now at 21. So yeah. maybe it does. Maybe if I was like, you know, 10, 11 years old, it would have hit me different, maybe, or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm yeah. going to watch the sequel. I'm going to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, both sequels now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm waiting to watch the trailer for the third one until I watch the second one. I mean, it probably doesn't oh, matter. you haven't watched the trailer? No, yet. I oh, Okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, you can look for it. We'll probably do, maybe we'll do a trailer reaction for his first time watching the trailer. Uh, so you could definitely look forward to that. Um, I would say uh, in terms of the whole Circle K scene, um, I think that the time travel in this movie is like the the best, most simple interpretation of time travel that, yes. in any movie. Yeah, it's, because, it's, li- it's literally just, oh, this happened, yeah. so it happened. Yeah. That's it. Like, no, no, yeah. no like, crazy butterfly yeah. effect. It's yeah, like, we're removing them from the timeline, so now all this is going to change in the world in the future. Exactly. Like, it, um, it, it basically is the same style of time travel as Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Um, where, you know, like, they pull, like, Billy the Kid out of his timeline. Or, let's say even more, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Is better probably a better example. They pull Abraham Lincoln out of the timeline. Abraham Lincoln goes to the future, uh, you know, does a sees a modern day high school, uh, yeah. and then they put him back in his timeline. Like that's not going to affect their world. Like it's it's basically just you pull him out for like five seconds and you just plunk him back in. Basically, yeah, exactly. Plug him, um, plug him, play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that is a, a scene that we'll talk about later, which I think is the is the quintessential best time travel scene in any film ever is in this movie. And we will talk about it later. Um, So then, you know, they meet themselves. He says, make sure you say hi to the princesses for me. Ted, remember to wind your watch. Watch, And then the second Bill and Ted from later in the movie shoot off again. Um, And then Rufus says right this way, shows them how to use the time machine and bang, we are in uh, France in, 
I believe it's 1804 or 1805. During the French Revolution, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we are at a war site, mm -hmm. um, which is another thing that's like interesting, kind of makes sense why the budget is so much on this. The period costumes and period sets that they had to build for this movie yeah. is crazy. Um, like they had to recreate like battle scenes, Old West, uh, yeah. like a whole bunch of crap. Um, yeah. And, uh, oh, sorry see here so then you see napoleon uh and napoleon orders them to fire at the phone booth mm -hmm. uh and then somehow napoleon gets hit with a cannon flies onto the phone booth <laughs> as they're time traveling back uh, so napoleon yeah, yeah napoleon's holding on to the time booth going uh, yeah uh, because i should mention the way that time travel works in this um physically is that you go through the circuits of history yeah. um which are literally just like a whole bunch of cables that you go through and then it, it pops you out uh, yeah. at the end of it um so napoleon is surfing through the the cable of history on the back of the thing um then they land back at their house napoleon's in the tree uh and then rufus you know says you're on your own like i'm not going with yeah. you uh rufus takes off a new phone booth lands and then napoleon falls out of the tree they got to figure out what to do with him. Uh, so they, I believe it's Ted's brother. Um, they yeah, give him, they, yeah, they give him to Ted's brother to watch uh, to make sure that he's okay. Uh, and then they take off in the time machine and we're going. Um, so now we're going to go ahead and just, you know, go rapid fire through, just talk about each of these little vignettes uh, as they come. Yeah. So the first one that they go to is the old West with Billy the kid. What do you think about that whole scene with, uh, Billy the Kid in the card game and like the old West shootout and stuff. Yeah, it's. I thought it was. I thought it was funny. I liked the Billy the Kid character. It's funny because after about, I want to say like so because Socrates is like Socrates. Socrates is like the third one. You're talking like him now. I know the third. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, after like, Billy the Kid. Yeah, I go. I tell myself, I'm like, okay, how many more? I go. You only needed one each. You got three now. I was like, how many more do you need? Cause that, cause that, I, cause I was like, well, the movie, I was like, the movie's like only what half an hour in. Not even. I go, it's another hour. Um, but no, and then, I, he, and then he realized they're going for everybody. Yeah, the Billy the Kid scene is one that like escapes me. Um, I don't exactly. I remember like they were at the card game and mm -hmm. he's obviously cheating and they flip the table and the whole fight breaks out and everything. And they, yeah, that, I mean that's basically it. The yeah. whole fight breaks out and then the three of them manage to run out of the saloon. Yeah. <clears throat> over to the phone booth. Yeah. Um, do, and, then they, and then they take off. I do think it's funny when they're in the phone booth and they take off and everybody's like, well, yeah. Like what, that? what even <laughs> like, it, it's not like, it's not even cause it's a look of not even like, how did they do that? It's a look of like, what did I just see? Yeah. Exactly. Like what, like what, yeah. a, what yeah. was that? B where'd they go? Like, like, I just saw a UFO, but I don't know what a UFO is because I'm in. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's not so much uh, how is that phone booth flying as it is what is a phone booth why, <laughs> what are those people why do they look like that yeah. um so then after billy the kid then we land in uh, ancient uh greece, greece. right yeah. yeah uh and then we're seeing uh socrates or socrates um give you know a philosophical uh analysis of life yeah. if you want to call it that to an audience um and then they try to to uh what does uh bill say say he tries to philosophize with him <laughs> um and uh 
he, he tells him, he tells Socrates that we're all just dust in the wind, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Socrates uh, has the fantastic line, which I don't know if you got the reference, but my mom, all my life, she's watched the soap opera Days of Our Lives. Um, and the thing that they say at the start of every episode of Days of Our Lives is, like the sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. And oh, that's, why, that's why Socrates <laughs> says that. Because he goes, he go, he takes the, we're all just dust in the wind, man. Yeah. And Socrates just goes, like sands in the hourglass, <laughs> so are the days of our lives. And that's like, that's like yeah. the big, because obviously like that soap opera was huge in like yeah. the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like a, a great joke for a very specific amount of people. Um and then, uh, so after uh, Socrates, they go to uh, just find anyone historic, basically. So they end up in, uh, it's like, maybe like 1600s England, I guess. Or, yeah, yeah like 1600s England, maybe before that, I don't know. Um, and they're just basically like a generic castle. Uh, and they tell uh, Billy to stay at the phone booth and watch Socrates, make sure he doesn't run off and mm-hmm. do anything. Um, and then that's when you meet the princesses, uh, which uh, future Ted told current Ted about uh, to say yeah. hi to the princesses for me. Um, there's a fight. Uh, Bill thinks that Ted is dead. Uh, so he tries oh, yeah. to kill a knight. Uh, and then, spoiler, Ted's not dead. Yep. Uh, Ted clubs the knight over the head. Uh, they're captured. And they are at the, uh, what is that? Not a guillotine, but a executioner. Uh, execution. Whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, like um, a beheading, basically. Yeah. Um, and they're about to be beheaded. And then somehow, someway, well, <laughs> the ex... Oh. I actually thought this was like... I knew, because I knew they were going to come... So I knew, like, somehow they're going to save them. I did not expect them to be the people wielding the axes. Yeah. That actually yeah. got me. I was like, oh, okay. I don't know how yeah. they got there, but okay. So they, no, exactly. I don't know how they got there, but um, then the executioners lift up their axes, they yeah. slam it down, cutting the ropes, freeing Bill and Ted, and then you realize that the executioners are Socrates and Billy the whole time. Somehow, uh, I, I have no idea how or why, but um, so they get out of there. And then for some reason they have the phone booth on top of a cart. Cart, yeah. Yeah, and so like that, then they pull that around. They all jump out and escape. Um, and then they're getting chased by this knight. Uh, they put some. They break uh, off a piece of the roof and it falls in front of the knight, so he can't chase them anymore. Um, they break ahead, but then you start to see for the first time that the there's something wrong with the time machine. That it's not letting them dial the numbers. Um, and then they dial it again. Finally, it works. And they can take off um, to go to another time. Uh, and then now is time to basically catch up with uh, San Dimas. So here we have uh, Napoleon eating a whole bunch of ice cream. I thought this uh, scene was funny. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the table. Um, and... <laughs> the, um, he got the uh, the Ziggy Piggy, yeah. right? The, yeah. He got the Ziggy Piggy ice cream award because he ate like the – it's like a huge – Pot of ice cream and Napoleon yeah. downs it in one sitting. Those are the two characters I couldn't stand that were those ice cream workers. Couldn't stand Oh, them. yeah, they, yeah. They shut up. They keep oinking and everything. I was like, <laughs> please stop. If I was at a if this is a restaurant I was eating at, I would leave. I Yeah, you'd be like, no, we're we're, we're yeah. good actually. And you and you said, and we will not be paying. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, um, I would still pay, but <laughs> uh and then uh so after that, then we go on kind of a, a quick 
like succession, just really short scenes of picking up the rest of the gang. Um, mm-hmm. So then they drop in and they steal Sigmund Freud. Uh, they Beethoven's performing uh, at a party. Uh, they oh, nab, yeah. they nab him off the piano. Uh, they lure Genghis Khan in with a Twinkie. Uh, <laughs> and then they, they tell Abe Lincoln that, that they're a candy gram. And then they yeah. uh, steal the president uh, somehow. <laughs> Uh, and then now it is completely apparent that the phone booth is over full. Um, it's all fully stuffed. Uh, and it is totally apparent that the antenna is completely busted. Um, so there's something wrong with the time machine. They get spit out in like caveman times, like prehistoric times. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing that they have is a bunch of chewing gum. So everybody chews up a bunch of gum, they get a whole wad of gum, stick the thing back together, the antenna's fixed finally. Um, and then finally, they go back to San Dimas, uh, and then we cut back again to Napoleon bowling with Ted's brother. Yeah. Um, he, try, uh, try, I should say, trying his best to bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, for some reason, again, Ted's brother uh, ditches Napoleon, uh, they leave the bowling alley and then Napoleon gets kicked out because he doesn't have any money. He doesn't really know what the guy is yelling at him for. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And then uh, what real quick, I think, did you, I think you missed, or wait, maybe that's later when they go to the planet. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yes, I did. That uh, is one thing I had a pro. That is the one thing I had a problem with. Not the one thing, but one of the things that I was like, I just don't, I mean, it was when the antenna was broken, so I'm thinking, I was like, oh, they probably just got spit out there because they couldn't, like, control where they were going. But I was like, that that whole scene was just, like, pointless in my in my mind. I was like, they didn't, they're just playing the, their music, but nobody says anything, if I recall correctly. Like, the, the leaders yeah. of the planet don't say anything. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, a chance for them, for you to show that their music is part of this planet's culture. And then they like, I, I think that's why. I mean, I, I all right. I don't. I don't want to say that it drastically affects it, but I mean, I would say that that kind of lends something to the sequel more oh, so. Okay. Them seeing that because you you spend some more time there uh, with the future culture. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and then also in this movie, you know, it just helps set up later on. Uh, you know, Rufus tells them how important they're going to be and he's like I, I think you were there you know you saw it yeah um so i do understand that you know it didn't really do anything yeah um but i think it was just a way to kind of show uh also i think it was maybe like a way to show like oh the time travel like they can go to the future too like mm-hmm. i think it was just a, oh yeah because like they, they had the actors and they had the set that day yeah. you know? they don't have to just go back they can go forward yeah so, yeah um but like i said i think that does more to lend help to the sequel um, because the sequel is much more about their importance to that place yeah. and that culture and that music. Um, but yeah, that happened uh, right uh, when like the antenna was broken. Uh, they showed up in the future. Um, all right. So now after uh, Napoleon gets ditched, we're now uh, back in San Dimas. Uh, the antenna is fixed and they land at the Circle K. This is the Bill and Ted that we met at the beginning of the movie. Uh, when they land, uh, they have a conversation with Rufus. They, you know, you see the other perspective mm-hmm. of the original conversation. Um, and then they let Rufus know that there was something wrong uh, with the time machine, that it brought them back to 
that night instead of the next day. Uh, and he and he goes, you know, you have to dial one number higher you can, to yeah. get to the right day. Um, so then they're finally they're back in the right time. Uh, I believe they said it's what do you say? Yeah, two hours. So this is like noon. They're back at uh, San Dimas. Like it's about three hours until their uh, uh, presentation is due. Mm-hmm. Um, so we land, and we should also mention that uh, Bill's dad has married uh, the character Missy. Yes, who is a couple years older than Bill and Ted. Yes, um, or maybe even just like one year older than Bill and Ted. And there's a kind of a uh, weird. It's not even like I wouldn't even call it a subplot because it's like, but you know, like. Uh, he, he keeps calling her by her like reg, her like first name instead of yeah. like, call her mom mm-hmm. and uh so like you know obviously his dad is infatuated with her and ted is infatuated with her but then you get like some weird like thing where just get again to skip ahead a little bit you know they're they end up okay doing their presentation but we'll tell you how we get how they get there and his stepmom comes in and she loves the their teacher, which I thought that yeah, was bizarre. Like, I was like, oh, like, long time no see. Yeah, I was like, that's a little yeah. weird. But, uh. um, yeah, I think the idea is definitely that, uh, you know, Missy uh, has that effect on uh, yeah. the, the men of San Dimas. Yeah. Um, and he even tells Sigmund Freud later on that, you know, he has a bit of an Oedipus complex. <laughs> um, uh, well, what's it called? So uh, they land and... Uh, they land right next to Missy. She has no remark whatsoever at the fact that a phone booth just landed from space right next to her. Yeah. Um, and everybody comes out. They give everybody fake names uh, like uh, Bob Genghis Khan. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then they just call, they just say Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and so they ask Missy to take them to the mall mm-hmm. uh, because they know that um, – what's it called? Uh, they know that Na- Napoleon is missing um, because yeah. they talked to his brother and his brother was like, Oh, I ditched him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they all go to the mall and uh, basically uh, chaos breaks out. Or I should say before they go to the mall, they all have to, she says, you have to do your chores. So then everybody, there's like a one minute montage. sequence. Yeah. yeah. Montage of all the historical figures doing the chores around the house. Yeah. And they all go to the mall and, um, and then Bill and Ted's like, all right, stay here at the food court. Uh, we have to go and find Napoleon. Yeah. Um, so they're like, where do, where do you, uh, if you were Napoleon in San Dimas, where would you go? And uh, the name of the, uh, what do you call it? Water park is yeah. uh, Waterloo, obviously, because very funny. Um, so then you cut to Napoleon at the water park. Yes. Uh, sneaking in. Uh, with a with a family of kids, what something you want to say? I love. Well, I love this like montage of him going down water slides. But in my head, I was like, "Who would I replace this actor with?" And I go, I just thought of it. I go, Danny DeVito. Can you picture Danny yeah. DeVito going down some water slides in the water park? I think it'd be the the funniest yeah. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that would have been that would have been great. Um, but yeah, so you have a fantastic montage of him uh yelling at children um (laughs) cutting in front of children running past them uh and uh, experiencing a water park for the first time 
And then obviously it's great montage. And then it ends with, you know, he goes down one of the slides. And then when he gets out this time, Bill and Ted are there with a towel and they're like, we got to yeah. go. And he's like, we gotta go. like I don't want to be like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> super angry. Uh. Um, all right. So then we cut back to the mall. The rest of our historical figures have left the food court. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Joan of, or I should, I should have said earlier too, Joan of Arc is somebody that they got. Uh, Joan of Arc goes and she's at an aerobics uh class he's running thing. an aerobics class yeah um yeah. beethoven finds the music shop with all jamming the out jamming. absolutely jamming yeah. out uh genghis khan uh goes nuts in a sports right store. yes uh we have uh sigmund freud billy the kid and socrates trying to pick up uh girls at the food court <laughs> Um, they call Sigmund Freud a geek. Uh, yeah. They don't understand what that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> finds it funny. Uh, and then uh, basically one way or another, all of their different antics uh, gets them arrested. Uh, so the security kicks them all out and then they all get processed. Uh, mm. And I did, we mention earlier, I think that Ted's father is the did not mention that okay yeah. yeah ted's father is the police chief so he arrests all the historical figures um some really funny stuff at the precinct when they're when yeah. they're like telling him and and freud's like uh i am sigmund freud and he said why do you keep saying that and he says why do you keep asking me if i'm not sigmund freud <laughs> um, and then he says tell me about your mother <laughs> uh, oh, that was funny uh Another one I would have loved uh, if we're just going like crazy casting on this. I think um, Sean Connery as Sigmund Freud. In this oh, my God. Like, <laughs> just totally wouldn't fit. But I think that would just be very funny. Like, Hen Henry Jones Sr. style. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So then they go uh, to the precinct then to try and bust everybody out once they have Napoleon. Uh, and basically... Uh, they need the keys to get in. And this is the scene that I was talking about where I think this is the absolute best shown use of time travel in a movie is oh, yeah. Bill and Ted are talking and they go, but we need your dad's keys to yep. get into, to, to get them out. And he goes, yeah, but we have a time machine. We can just get them. And he's like, but when are we going to get them? And he says, later, we'll just yeah. remember to get the keys and I'll just like put them around here like near that rock. Sign. yeah yeah he's like <laughs> that, under that sign and he's like okay and then they go over and he says like right here and he pulls them up and the keys are just there yeah, exactly. and, he, and, he goes, and he goes all right well we got to remember to do that and then ted just goes but we have them so we did <laughs> and that's and that's like yeah that's it that is like the funniest thing that i think that is just the funniest use of time travel and just like the yeah. simplest thing um to show how this works and then later like a few minutes later there's uh another one where they're trying to sneak through the precinct to try to not be noticed that there's two teenagers sneaking through a police precinct mm -hmm. um and he's like well you got to remember to set a set the tape recorder on a timer to go off and he's like well what do you want it to say and he just goes he just goes i don't know and then you just start hearing the tape recorder to distract his dad um and then they get in they uh, get all the historical figures out of prison. They escape through the window. Uh, Missy brings them all to school. And just as the teacher's about to give them an F, the lights go down and they are able to uh, do their presentation. Mm -hmm. And the presentation obviously is one of the best parts of the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, 
they they have uh, little spots for everybody. What are your thoughts on the presentation? What are your some of your favorite moments from the presentation? Uh, I thought it was cool. I like the uh, oh my god, what's his name? Sigmund Freed. Sigmund Freud. I, yeah. Freud. Yeah. yeah. I like when he's like doing the. He's a what? I'm sorry. What is he a therapist, psychiatrist? Yeah, he's a psychiatrist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I love when he's he's like laying on the couch or on the thing, and he's just talking about like his life and his why his dad is like like the way he is and everything. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like you could like make it like a like realization of like why like why does my dad talk to me? why does he want to send me but it's kind of like in just like a funny way. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Like like it, it could have gotten like dark. Yeah, but yeah. But just it's... like yeah, and then obviously that gives us the the main uh, gif that everybody uses of Keanu standing up into frame, going, yeah. "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> with the with his like hair all yeah. out, and you know, then you have the great scene with Abraham Lincoln making the speech, saying "Party on, dudes!" The whole crowd cheers. You know, they get an A on their project. Um, then we, you know, head back. Uh, some some amount of time has gone by. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get, we're back in the garage. They, uh, you know, Bill, or I should say, both of their dads also go see and they see the project and they see that, you know, their sons are actually doing their work and like have a good presentation and stuff. Um, so they're not going to the military academy anymore. Um, then we cut back to the garage, just like at the beginning of the movie, and they're jamming out. Yeah. Uh, and then they're talking to each other about, you know, what they should do next. Uh, and Bill says, you know, maybe we should finally get Eddie Van Halen to play with us. Uh, and then Ted more, uh, pr- uh, professionally says, maybe we should actually learn to play. Yeah. And he says, oh. <laughs> he says yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and then the time machine is back and Rufus steps out with the princesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the princesses are now in San Dimas with them. Uh, he tells them, that they are fated to align the planets and make uh, universal contact peace. possible yeah. and and uh, complete peace with everyone yeah. in the universe. Um, and it's all thanks to their music and them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, that's when he goes, you know, and I believe you were there, the future place with the music, that was, that was because of you. Uh, and then Rufus asks to jam. Uh, there is a obvious stand-in playing guitar for George Carlin. <laughs> as George Carlin goes like this in the frame. Um, and yeah. then uh, Bill and Ted start to play. Uh, they are awful. Rufus looks at camera and says, they do get better. <laughs> Cut to black. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is over. What are your thoughts? Uh, what are some things that we haven't brought up? Uh, favorite moments, least favorite moments? What else do you think? Um, I feel like we like covered everything. Yeah. Um, all my favorite parts I like basically talked about. I thought, like I said, I think there's like it's funny. Um, yeah. I just like like I said, I don't I don't not like the movie. It's just the it's just the, the language. Like I don't like the way they mm-hmm. talk. <laughs> well, that's just like to me. I guess the only yeah. thing I would say is just like that's to me. That's like crazy. That's like yeah. to to me at least. That's like what. It's all about, you know, no, what I mean? like, yeah. that's like, like to me, the whole essence of these movies is the way that they speak. Yeah. I, guess, I mean, is, who knows? I might like some, like in the second one, I might be like, Oh, like this is like, you know, this makes it even better. I don't know. First yeah. one. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
it'll be interesting. So yeah, definitely look forward um, to the Bill and Ted's bogus journey review that we will be doing soon. Um, once again, my star rating for this is I set it at a five out of five. Uh, TJ's at a what was it? Three and a half. Three and a half. Three point five out of five. Um, so that was our review for Bill and Ted: uh, Excellent Adventure. Uh, getting ready for the release of Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, which is going to be coming out very soon here. So now that the review is complete, we're going to be going ahead and wrapping up today's show with our Shooting the Shit segment, where we will be ranking the on-screen actors that have played Batman. Um, so we are going to be going through, and you know, obviously there are more than this uh, in some of the animated works, um, but we were going for the mainstream Batmans and the theatrically released Batmans, more, most importantly. Um, so just in order of appearance, um, it's going to be, we're going to be going through uh, Adam West, Michael Keaton, Kevin Conroy, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and Will Arnett. So let's start off with the lowest on the totem pole. Who do you think is the, out of these, uh, let's see, out of these eight actors, who is the worst on-screen Batman? Um, this is tough. I'm leaning towards, like, I don't want to put, like, Will Arnett at the bottom, but it's just, like, he's just, like, okay, he's just doing a voice. No, I can't. I'm well, I would say I, would I know. Say it, I know this... it's between. I know for me. Granted, I haven't seen Adam West. This is like his movies, Batman or anything, or the show. But I know that he what he that he brought the character to life, in like you know everything. Uh, but my bottom, like my three for the bottom would be either Keaton Kilmer or Clooney. For me, Keaton Kilmer or Clooney. Oh, I don't. know. Yeah, I don't know which one. Whoa. I didn't say Keaton. Um, you just said, you said Keaton. Yeah, I said, oh, I don't know which one it would be. That's, uh, wow, that is crazy. All right, we're going to fight on that one. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, my God, Keaton even in contention for the last one. Okay, well, okay you got to give me, okay, who would you put at the bottom then? At the I bottom, feel like it's hard. At the bottom, I would put Adam West at the bottom. Just okay. because I just, I'm, for me, the way yeah. that I'm interpreting this, I'm going for embodiment of the okay. character. Okay. So to me, like, like you said, you know, in another version of this list, absolutely. I would say, you know, Will Arnett. Okay. You know, he's been yeah. in uh, three movies as the character, you know, but he just really does the voice. Yeah. But to me, I think Will Arnett it, it, in my personal list. I mean, I don't know because we're going to be making this list between the two of us. I don't know where he's going to end up, but for me, I think Will Arnett is, is on the higher end of the character of the actors that embody the character of Batman. They like really nail yeah. what it is to be Batman and understand it. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so for me and no fault of his own, I just think that Adam West um, to me would be at the bottom. Cause I mean, somebody has got to be at the bottom. Unfortunately, yeah. somebody's got to be at the top. Um, it's not saying that he's bad, you know, no, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, I guess that's kind of where I'm like, I'm like, I know he's not, I've never seen it, but I know he's not bad. Cause I know he brought character to life originally on tv and in movies in what 1960 yeah. something and so um, we're basically we're just gonna you know kind of go through this list yeah um and we're gonna make a preliminary one then we're gonna read off what we have and make any changes then we'll do our final list okay 
Um, so forgive the typing also because I'm going to be typing this up uh, as we're talking about it, um, if there's any changes. Um, so then let's say, uh, you know, after Adam West, uh, who, who would you say you think maybe comes next? Not going to lie, I totally forgot Affleck was on the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, he might be closer to the bottom then. I, I don't know. I, I let me. I, this, this is, is crazy. This is tough. This is tough. All right. Well, I, I'm just gonna say my next pick. Okay. Would definitely be uh, for embodying the character. Yeah. I would say my next pick for number seven, so like second from the bottom, would be George Clooney. I think George Clooney. Okay. What? What? what can you remind me what movie was? Which one was? Batman and Robin. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I the, the, the thing with those movies is like Batman and Robin, and which one? Which is the other one that? Oh, just Batman Forever, right? Was the yeah. Like, those are so yeah. like campy mm-hmm. that I just like like especially Batman and Robin. Um, they're all like just a little off the wall. Um, yeah. With and literally no, but, yeah. When the, when the Batmobile <laughs> drives up the wall. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, no, because yeah, because Keaton is the just Batman, and then Kilmer is uh, Bat. What is that called? The one with Batman. Uh, Batman Forever. The one with Penguin. No, no, no. That's uh, Batman Returns. That's my. Ba- that's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, like, thinking of okay. Yeah, I still for me though, Ben Affleck still like lower like i don't know i didn't like his back well let's do this let's do uh <laughs> all right so we're kind of doing this live yeah so bear with us here but let's do this let's make two different lists okay let's have you do one and i'll do another one then we'll combine them at the end might okay. be a little similar to another show out there um that we listen to uh but you know we're definitely we're not trying to infringe on anybody's uh yeah. podcast prerogative it's it's just a there's really no other way to do it, unfortunately. Um, uh, but what's it called? Uh, right. So you would would you you would still put Adam West at the bottom? Yeah, you know I would agree with Adam West. Okay, so then you're you're saying Affleck next for worst? Yeah. Okay, this is gonna be crazy. <laughs> All right, yeah, this is good, and then we'll we'll just do one one a piece basically. Okay. Um, so my number seven, I would definitely put Clooney. Okay. All right. So who would your number six be? Who would your second from the last Well, week? thinking about the three, then, I'd probably put Clooney above that. Okay. Oh, this, is, this is dangerous. Even for the internet, this is dangerous. <laughs> uh, all right. So then six, I got to go Val Kilmer. Um, I think he's good, but, you know. I think there's a definitive top five out of these guys here. Mm-hmm. All right, so who would you go with for five? So right now you have Michael Keaton, Kevin Conroy, Christian Bale, and Will Arnett left. And uh, Val Kilmer. Oh, yes, and you still have Val Kilmer. Yep. Um, thinking Val Kilmer is bad in return. Um, I probably... Yeah, I probably have to go. No, yeah, I probably have to go Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer next. Yeah. Now, to me, this is where it starts to get difficult. To me, yeah. I think 
the bottom three are easy. Now, I think these last five are where it really starts to get difficult. Okay. Um, I think I would put, if we're talking embodiment of Batman, as much as I like this actor as Batman, and I, I do like the movies that he's, you know, I like some of the movies that he's in, some parts of them. Uh, as much as I like him as Bruce Wayne and as Batman, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have to go Ben Affleck at five. Okay. Just because with the with the killing and just all that stuff, like there's just some things that just don't feel like Batman with his character. Yeah. Um, but that that's really the only reason that I would put him at number five. All right, so who would you and go so with? Um, now I have Keaton. Conroy. Bale okay. and Will Arnett. I'd probably put uh, Will Arnett at four. Okay. Okay. Um, so for not for my number four, uh, I would agree. I would put Will Arnett at number four. Um, <clears throat> I think his portrayal. I think obviously there's a reason that he was an absolute standout in the first yeah. Lego Movie, which granted him getting his own standalone yeah. film. Um, and I still think that that movie nails Batman as a character yeah. more than maybe any other Batman movie yeah. ever. That has. was something I, I I wasn't I wasn't fond of the the Lego Movie one and two like a lot of people were. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did like Lego Batman a lot. I'm in the but, same boat. Yeah. I I didn't really I real I I fell asleep uh, in oh. the Lego Movie Part Two. <laughs> yeah, uh, I fell asleep, which is not a good sign. Yeah, why um, <laughs> do the sign. Robert De Niro face? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know, you know. Yeah. I fall asleep with the Legos. It's not a good look. I don't know. Um, okay, so uh, bad impressions aside, uh, I yeah, I did not care for – I liked him in Lego uh, 1 and 2. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I think he has a bigger role, I would say, in the first Lego movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I loved uh, – Lego Batman. I thought it was. I thought Zach Galif. If we were doing Jokers, uh, Zach Galifianakis to me would be high up there. Um, oh, because okay. I think his characterization as the Joker is so funny. The whole thing of <clears throat> literally making it that like the Joker gets jealous when Batman is fighting other people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that pretty much walks yeah. the line of with like Mark Hamill's Joker. You know what I mean? Where it's like Mark Hamill has that, especially Hamill's version in the Arkham games. Uh, like, definitely has that, where, like, he has an unhealthy attachment or he gets jealous of other people playing with his Batman, you know? Um, I, I think I think that movie really nailed that. Just there's so many things that the Lego Batman movie really nailed. Um, all right, so now we're in top three territory. So you're going to be have, mad at me. You have left uh, Keaton, Conroy, and Christian Bale. You're going to be mad, I think. I'm going to Keaton 3. Okay. All right. You probably know where I'm going with the rest of the list. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. Uh, all right. All right. Okay. All right. My number three. <laughs> yeah. See, it's so tricky. Because when you're talking about embodiment of the character. Yeah. It means such a different thing than like performance. Yeah. I'm going to go in my number three. I'm going to go Michael Keaton. 
only because I think Michael Keaton does a better job embodying Bruce Wayne. Um, I think yeah. if we were doing who is the best Bruce Wayne on this list, I think we would be going with... Uh, I, if we're going who is the best Bruce Wayne, I mm-hmm. think we're talking Affleck and Keaton fighting out for the top. Because I think Affleck's Bruce Wayne is really good. Yeah. Um, characterization aside, you know, he can't really help some of that stuff. Uh, but, like, just he's got the look, he's got the swagger, he's got everything that, like, Bruce Wayne should be. Um, but, yeah, I would say I would put Keaton at three just be, just simply because I think he's a better Bruce Wayne than a Batman. But he still makes my number three, you know. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have the same one and two choices here. Yep. Uh, so you got Kevin Conroy or Christian Bale. Who's your number two? Conroy is number two. Kevin Conroy at number two. All right, so that locks in Christian Bale as <laughs> number one. Who is that? Batman. Huh? Oh hey, no, God. nothing. Uh, all right. So my number two, I would put as Christian Bale. Wow. My number two for Batman. I would say that, uh, my number one then obviously is Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Um, And I think they're, in my opinion, they're interchangeable. Like the only problem I have with, uh, like, even though he's my number one, Christian Bale, the only problem I have with his Batman is the voice. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't even do it. Um, but I like Kevin Conroy. I think Where are the drugs going <laughs> exactly. Rip, rip headphone listeners. Kevin Conroy's voice, I think, is perfect. Kevin Conroy's voice as Batman, yeah, is should be dubbed over any actor everything. that plays Batman yeah, exactly. ever in the future. Yes, his. I mean, there's a reason that he has been. He's the most. He, he has the most appearances as Batman and has been mm-hmm. playing him more the most amount of time. Well, if Keaton comes back, I mean, yeah. but we should say the most consistently over time. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you're talking Kevin Conroy has been playing him since the early 90s. Yeah. Consistently still playing him. He could be, I mean, there's rumors of a fourth or fifth, it would be, Arkham game. Uh, well, fourth with him and Hamill and stuff. There's rumors of a fourth Arkham game that he could be recording right now as we speak. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he could be playing the character now. Um, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think I think in terms of embodiment of Batman, when I think who is Batman, and there was even yeah. that whole when Arkham Knight came out, the whole trailer thing, the whole uh, buildup was all these different voice actors saying like reading the line of like i'm batman like that whole thing uh and then it ends with kevin conroy finally saying like everyone else aside i'm batman like <laughs> and it's just his voice is cr- like yes um i had the i say privilege like i had the privilege this past uh niagara falls comic-con of meeting him I was able to actually, um, I got my picture with him and I was able to actually go up to his autograph booth and like have a conversation with him. And he is, he is a super, super nice guy and he will flip that Batman voice on, on a dime. Oh, really? Like it is, <laughs> it is crazy. It's yeah. like, it's scary to, to, to witness like the fact, cause he, cause he sounds so nice and everything like, no, yeah. and it's just really like one octave lower than his speaking voice. Um, 
But I mean, it's just so it's like, it's got the intimidation. It's got the, the gristle. I think it's um, got like grit too. Yeah. Like, and it like, doesn't, and it's not, he's not like gargling gravel, yeah. like bales. You know what I mean? Like bales. No, I know. Go, that, like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where's Rachel? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> where are the drugs going? Like Kevin Conroy just yeah. sounds like, where's Rachel? Yeah. Where are the drugs going? You know what I mean? Like that is one thing I do like it when the, like like the, that's one thing I do like about Ben Affleck's is I do kind of like the voice modifier thing. I love like I yeah. I like auto tune like synthesizer type stuff like that. Mm. Um, like did Clooney, Kilmer, or Kilmer or Keaton have weren't they just doing like voices? Yeah, no, they were just like, doing a regular talking. voice. Like yeah. that, like Keaton's would be like Keaton was I, I guess what I I would say was the most. Yeah. Uh, voicey, um, because he has like the you know he's he's the kind of originator of the of the I'm Batman like yeah. that that voice like yeah. he's hanging the guy over the edge and he goes yeah. where are you man <laughs> and he goes I'm Batman and then he, and then he <laughs> drops him <laughs> there we go um, the, you know that's actually another thing that I just thought of. It makes even more sense now too to merge those characters into one because I just remembered. Do you remember in Justice League they had the Batman '89 theme in Justice League? Yeah. When when the Batmobile was going through the final battle, they they were playing it because Danny oh, Elfman right. did the same music. Yeah. Um. So they did the like they literally pulled that same theme over. So it yeah. makes sense to make those the same character now. Um. All right. So. Let's attempt to make this into one list, All right. okay? All right, so who would we say? I, all right, so we got to – I feel like we. I feel like Kevin Conroy should be number one, in my opinion. And I'll get – yeah, that's I, fair. I, I feel I'll like that. Yeah. Okay, so then we would put Christian Bale at number two. And then uh, – Michael Keaton's fine. Will Arnett's fine. So, all right, so what do you think – so you have bat, you have Affleck low. Yeah. So technically, I have Val Kilmer at five. You have Val Kilmer at six. I guess if we're combining, we would have to put Val Kilmer next. So Val Kilmer at five. Okay. Yeah. All right. no, yeah, that's fine. All right, and then I would go Affleck, Clooney, and then Adam West. Okay. All right. So. All right, so it's going to be Kevin Conroy at number one, Christian Bale number two, Michael Keaton at number three, Will Arnett at number four, yeah. Val Kilmer at number five, Ben Affleck number six, George Clooney number seven, and Adam West number eight. All right, so those are our rankings of the actors who have portrayed Batman on screen. Um, obviously, you know, it's going to be interesting to know uh, next – you know, where Pattinson ranks on this list. Um, that's oh, going to yeah. be next. Completely see if maybe, <laughs> yeah, see if maybe, uh, you know, where Pattinson lists and also see if Michael Keaton does reprise the role. If he, if our estimation of him as the character changes, um, you know, it could go up, could go down. Uh, we don't really know. Um, but our final order for this week, um, do you want to go ahead and uh, do the final order this week? 
Yeah, so um, for the final order, you can tweet us at us, tweet at us using at Planet Film Pod or email us at planetfilmpod at gmail.com. And uh, we want to know uh, how would you rank each pro- portrayal of Batman? Is it similar to ours? Is it different? Uh, what are your opinions? Why do you think that? Um, yeah, so just, so just let us know. Either tweet us or email us. All right, yeah. So, uh, like you said, you know, let us know uh, what your take on this is. Were we right? Were we wrong? Uh, are we crazy? Uh, is Ben Affleck your number one? Is Adam West your number one? Yeah. Um, but with that, uh, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of Planet Film. You want to hit uh, it with the last line? Yep. Uh, stay safe. And remember, always live your life a quarter mile at a time. Take it easy.